Welcome to the Theo Pop Culture Smackdown. This week we are talking about... It's called You Deserved It. Oh, well, I think we're actually <laughs> going to call it Acts and Consequences. Oh, I think... I Okay, that's what I thought it was. I changed the title. I, I know, I changed... <laughs> I, we, Acts and Consequences. There are so many different titles we get after this one. We're sorry, call, sorry, I was sorry. thinking like, you know, there's a. I think there's a town called Truth and Consequences, New Mexico. That is very strange Truth. To me. So I'm thinking like acts and consequences, yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. I love New Mexico, by the way. It's by the great, way. It's a great state. By the way, we love Montana as well. We love all the states. I love all, all 50 state states. and territory. I even love Puerto we Rico. like all the territories. I even love the Virgin Islands and all yes, of the territories, yes. et cetera. <laughs> Guam. I love Guam. We love this entire. I'm a big fan of Guam. Great nation and um, all okay. of its outlying. Okay. So anyway. Anyway, we're we, talking about acts and consequences. Yes. We're going to have another debate, friends. We're, we're going to debate. Another debate. Okay, wait, we should I think we've gone through about a little more than half the semester at this point. I think we should we should just circle back, friends, with a word on Christians and debate and conversation and disagreement. Like why do we do it? Why do why are we on this podcast yes. trying to do it in the spirit that we're doing it? And why are we trying to engage you in that, oh students? Yeah. So one of the things that um Dr. Doke and I have realized um uh, in the long course of our lives is that we're living in a in a moment in time where it's very difficult. In fact, it's very rare for Christians to disagree with each other, be respectful, be people of goodwill. And also um, just share a free exchange of ideas. And so one of the reasons why we're doing this with you all is that we believe strongly that you can have you it, you can enjoy unity in certain Christian essentials, mm -hmm. um, which there are a very few of those. And then you can there's a lot of things that you can have very strong disagreements about, but still enjoy Christian fellowship with each other. So that's what we want to model for you. We're, we wanted to be really explicit about that mm -hmm. like right from the outset we hope that you are um it, it, we hope that you're enjoying the conversation but also we hope that you feel inspired to have enriching conversations with people even people you don't agree with oh i was looking up that phrase you started to use the unity and essentials this is a famous phrase a lot of christians have, have taken up in yes. essentials unity in non-essentials liberty in all things charity yes and so we hope that in some way, even if it's not been perfect, and surely it has not been perfect, that the debate style that we've had is we think a style that is a little different from what you might see on the socials or on the yes. news or whatever, which is to say that you're hearing us. I mean, we chose this format very intentionally. You're hearing us argue for something that we ourselves may or may not believe in. You're hearing us do it in a way that's respectful and decent and lighthearted, mm -hmm. but, you know, convicted. But also direct. Also direct. Yes. You're then hearing us engage each other on it. So we're both, we're each, th think of the pattern. We're listening to each other take up a position. Mm -hmm. We're then engaging each other, which uh, by our tradition has included starting with acknowledging a strong point from the other person. Mm -hmm. And then we actually come back to a real personal conviction and say what we really thought. I think sometimes people think that by charity and by listening, that's like weak sauce. Like, yes. Like yes. I just, as a Christian, I think that that view is gross. Well, it that's, is certainly that's not. That's horrible. What is wrong with you? Like that's, it's not weak to like let someone speak and to listen to them. Yeah. It certainly does not align with Christian virtues, which include things like gentleness, mm. self-control, patience. The meek shall inherit the earth. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So we think that you can have, you can be people of conviction and also have moments of conflict with people that don't have to devolve into you mm -hmm. either, you know, sending them to hell in your mind or um, in some way distancing yourself from them. So, you know, Dr. Doak and I 
we disagree all the time on things, um, but we are still committed Christians and we strongly believe that you can be too. We've gotten in a couple of serious arguments yeah, over the years. That's true. That's but true. I, we had a couple of meltdowns. <laughs> <laughs> so no. it's, uh, it's, it's normal. And hey, students, think about this. How many of you honestly, show of hands, how many <laughs> of you have honestly had in your life really good models for disagreement that, you, that you've seen from people who are older than you or that you considered in a position of leadership? I'm not saying we're perfect and I'm not saying you have to extol us as those leaders, no. but I am saying we are at least offering a serious adult Christian model for disagreement. And we notice that that's kind of lacking among in the world today. It is. And we have confidence in you. You are the future of the church. Mm-hmm. And um, I have personally enjoyed watching many of your videos and oh, yeah. reading your discussions. You are doing such a good job of being smart and thoughtful mm-hmm. and caring. And I have especially appreciated how you've talked with each other when you disagree so we think that you're doing great and we want you to keep going and we believe that you represent a positive future for us my children are coming behind you so you know i want you to to do well (laughs) that was supposed to be a sprightly little positive too yeah and and, and one more thing students Ah. as ah, (laughs) as you discuss things like this we're not i think we're not asking you to like engage in like Hard, the hardcore style, like angry debating you see on like the sure, news or you, you hear on talk radio. That. You don't have to take it in that spirit. And actually, I've seen in my engagement with students so far, I've seen almost very little of that. Yes, yes. I think so it's I'm been not, thoughtful and kind. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, there's there's never a reason not to be, you know, to be kind to, to yeah. people. So um, I think that we're going to stretch the boundaries on that because we've got a really, really tough one. We've today. got a barn burner. Yep. What does the phrase barn burner even mean? You know, I'm almost afraid to look it up like because sometimes when you use phrases, it's like, does that mean something bad? Is it going to be? I know I, I, it's going to be a horrible <laughs> thing. The barn burner, and there are fires going on right now. Uh, so yeah, pretend wah, I never wah. said the barn burner okay, thing, we'll but it's d- it's we'll going to be a, a serious hoedown, a serious. Uh, <laughs> You're talking like okay. Um Okay, so Dr. Doke, you found this. Okay. This kind of collection of pop culture stories to talk with us about. Okay. Share. So our topic this week is exile. Exile is about suffering and pain and lament. In particular, the wisdom literature, Job and Psalms, uh, Job and Proverbs, some Psalms for sure, and Ecclesiastes are all about this question of suffering. Why do people suffer? And you can actually organize these books around this question. Why do people suffer? And this exilic theme is about suffering and pain mm-hmm. and lament. And our stories mm-hmm. for this week are about why is Israel suffering? How should Christians approach this problem of suffering? There are lots of models here. The Bible has lots of models. The Christian theological tradition has lots of models. The philosophical tradition has models. Perhaps this can be posed most um, in, the, in the most theologically eloquent term as the so-called trilemma. It's like a dilemma, but with three things. Get it? The trilemma. Um, around a problem that Christians often call theodicy. Theodicy is a fancy word. T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y, Theodicy. Mm-hmm, Not mm-hmm. the Odyssey, like the play, but the, the, the poem by Homer, but Theodicy, it's a different word. Basically, it goes like this. On the one hand, God is good. Christians affirm that. On the other hand, Christians say, other, other point in the triangle, God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. But on the other point in the triangle, there seems to be horrible suffering in the world. In fact, suffering that's so horrible of innocent people, of children, that it even approaches this idea of evil, that evil exists 
How do you get all three of those to exist in the same world? If God is good and all powerful, he should stop it. And or ma- students, you know. you're you're now right now in the presence of someone who's written a great deal on this, really written the book <laughs> on suffering, Dr. That Brian Doak, suffering that. in the Bible. So she's referring to my book called Consider Leviathan about the book of Job. Mm-hmm. It has terrible reviews mm-hmm. on Amazon. And if you want to go read it and look at those terrible <laughs> does reviews. It really? Yeah, it does. So, you, you know what someone wrote about my Joe book what? as a review on Amazon? They said, they just wrote, strange, strange book. <laughs> someone else wrote, yeah, if you like getting talked down to by a loser, read this I'm book. I'm going to guess that was, you probably, we probably shouldn't have mentioned it here. We shouldn't have mentioned My that. book on Amazon has one really thoughtful uh, review from my friend, who I know uh, did it, and then another from my brother, and uh, it was like, this uh. is the greatest book ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with those those reviews yeah, though yeah, because yeah. I have other books too and I'm 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 fine with it. That's okay. So how wha- anyway. how what are we talking about right now? Okay, suffering, suffering, suffering. Why so, does it happen? So the art of okay. Here's what we want to debate. I'm just I'm trying to set up the artifact so that the artifact for this week actually makes sense. So the artifact that we chose for this week is going to be about this. Our debate our debate terms are as follows: Is the best model for why people suffer is that we cause our own suffering and our own success for that matter. You do the crime, you do the time. We're going to call this the act consequence nexus. Get it? It's like <laughs> nexus means an intersection between an act and action, your act, yes. and the consequence. Is the act consequence nexus the best way to think about why people suffer? In other words, is the best way to think about suffering that if you sin, if you do wrong things, you will be punished for that? And if you do good things, you will be rewarded for that. Here is the pop culture item. Um, we struggled to find one here that would work. There are lots of examples for this. Yes, but some of them are a little bit, for lack of a better word, triggering. So. Yeah, just just too <laughs> controversial. Like, yes. Notice that we're also trying to set these debates not on the most controversial terms possible, which we could do, by the way. Oh, yes. And we, we choose we not to. We talk a lot about that. We Actually, make a deliberate the choice. data I have on students and the way that they think about things is about like 98% of the class wishes that we would get more blood and guts and yes. do way more controversial things. Well, and then... I know. A couple of people do not, but anyway. The stu- students, you need to come to the live event. We'll answer whatever question you ask. Oh us. yeah, if we do if yeah. we do live events for the class or whatever, if yeah. you get a chance, you can do it there, okay? Yep. Um cuz then we're just freewheeling. We're just we're freewheeling. <laughs> it maybe by the time you listen to this there is no such thing as a live event or you're listening to this at a time when we call that something else, but if oh, you yeah, have a chance true. if you have a chance to engage us in person, we want to keep it general. We'll totally talk with yep, you about whatever we, will. we want. I found an article from a Minneapolis um, online magazine called City City Pages, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where Great my wife's twin sister Minnesota. lives. Aww. Minnesota, we love the Minnesotans. Yes, I love their accent and their accent mm-hmm. and all the stuff that they charming, do. Charming, charming, very charming. I'm from Wisconsin, right next door. So okay, you, yeah. This article is called Five Natural Disasters God Sent to Punish Us." Mm. Now, this is uh, this is this is a satirical article. They don't really mean that they believe God sent these natural disasters right. to punish us, but they're looking back at a, po- a local politician named Michelle Bachman. Um, and this was from 2011 when she was more of a household name. You can look her up. She was a controversial political figure at that time and maybe even still today. Here are five examples that they say um, that they where, where they saw culturally in their state of Minnesota and elsewhere where, um, pe- where, where people blamed natural disasters on human sin. So example number one, they say... Um, that a right-wing group from Georgia sent out fundraising letters in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, um, claiming that the hurricane was a sign from God and it was a punishment for uh, against <sighs> New Orleans. Ouch. Number two, 
Pat Robertson, who's a, another Christian leader, and the Haitian earthquake voodoo. Pat Robertson blamed the Haitian earthquake. There was a huge Haitian earthquake in 2010. From, from the previous year on voodoo, saying Haitians had, quote, made a pact with the devil oh by boy. practicing voodoo and had been reduced to rubble for it. Number three. Um, I can't find number three. Oh, Glenn Beck and the Japanese request for an earthquake. I read this one and I can't understand it, so I'm going to skip it. I literally can't <laughs> understand what they're talking about. Um, Bill Heckman and the Indonesian tsunami. Um Killed a lot of people right before Christmas um, some years ago. Terrible. Um, a Christian pastor said that the tsunami was basically um, Jesus saved the righteous people but punished sinners through the tsunami. Number five, John Piper's tornado theory. John Piper's a local theologian and pastor in Minnesota who said that Jesus Christ controls the wind, including all tornadoes. So tor- tornadoes are, in fact, a punishment from God. So there you have it. I mean, you could find this stuff all over yeah, the place. Yeah, if you just Google Christians blaming natural disaster on... I'm sure you just find them. We're, we're pretty sure <laughs> that you will find, You'll find a lot, a some lot. things. And so th- these are examples, oh, friends, in popular culture of the act consequence nexus, that you sin, you do the crime morally, and you do the time. You go to jail for it. You pay the consequence. And you could also make it about positive things like, oh, I did this great. You know, why am I rich? I'm rich because I was smart and I played the stock market in the right way and I'm educated or I made good decisions with my life or things like that. Is this the best way to think about human success and suffering in the Christian tradition? Or, in fact, are there better ways? This we will debate, and we're going to have to do the coin toss. Okay. So, as you remember, students, we're going to have three minutes to make our case. Each of us will take three Mm -hmm. minutes. Then we will discuss with each other. Then we will reveal our final final position. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the coin toss. All right. All right. Oh wait, you gotta call it. That was one of my best riffs ever. <laughs> that, was, that was. Um. Okay, I call. Uh, I call. I call heads. And tails. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take the con oh. position. Oh, a con on this one. The act consequence nexus. All right, I'm gonna argue. No. I'm gonna argue pro that it's a good way to okay. think about suffering. All right, are, are you ready? ready with your three minutes? I am, pretty much. Um, ready whenever you are okay. to say I should start. Ready, start. Uh, okay. <laughs> I wanna I wanna start it this way on a bigger level. Think about this, oh students and listeners. Imagine what the world would look like if we totally unlinked, totally separated our actions from any consequence whatsoever. So, in other words, y- you know, y- you help a lost child cross the street and find her parents, and just like a giant knife flies out of the sky and stabs you in the ribs. Wait, okay. I did a good act, but I got pun- like, or, or maybe not. Or maybe, you know, just like think of any weird and wild scenario where your actions have literally, literally nothing to do with the consequences. What would that mean? I, w- I propose to you that that is a world of total moral and intellectual and spiritual chaos. And, and it's not the world that we do see. Does everything get directly punished or rewarded in the moment? No, of course not. And I think every wise person knows this. But this this act consequence nexus is more powerful than we sometimes give it credit for. I look at my own life. Here's what I see. I see free will. I see choices and I see consequence. I don't always have the kind of choices I wish I had. And I don't always get the consequences I deserve. But I can, I can examine my life that way and I can see areas wherein I suffer in my life where I basically caused my own suffering. And I did that. Do things happen that I don't cause directly? Of course. But does that mean that you throw out that consequence nexus? No. Let's go to the Bible. The book of Genesis. 
you know, Adam and Eve, God gives them a, this is the great pattern of the act consequence. God tells them what, what they can do or not do. They disobey, they sin. What happens? God kicks them out of the garden. An act and a consequence are yoked together. In the books of Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, there's a long narrative there of Israel's entry into the land, as you know, and their expulsion, and it's predicated on the covenant. God sets a covenant and says, you can live in this land. This is all over the place in Deuteronomy, for example. You can live in this land if you behave in a particular way. The people don't. You can read a summary of this in like 2 Kings 17, for example, for why the northern, king gets, northern kingdom gets kicked out of the land. You have to leave. The book of Proverbs, another powerful book. Is the book of Proverbs too simplistic at points? I don't know. The book of Proverbs says things like you dig a pit and you fall into it. You, 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 you engage in this kind of behavior and you're going to pay for it. And I think that that, I think that, that kind of, 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 of thinking gives us real agency. We can change things and we can reform um, and that gives us the power to actually work in the world. I want to end by saying, I don't want to be un- misunderstood, though. There are real situations of just like victimhood and abuse, and scripture acknowledges that. I'm not in any way discounting that. What I am suggesting is that the act consequence nexus is powerful. It's real and it's biblical. And it's the best overall way of thinking about suffering in our world. How much time do I have? 16 seconds. Okay. Um, again, If you're going to argue against the act consequence nexus, you're going to have an uphill battle against the Bible. And I think that that's troubling. And I'm (laughs) interested to hear how one could even do that. Okay, two, one. Okay, you're done. All right. (laughs) Good work. Good work. Good work. Man, I'm also stressed out doing these arguments. I I know. I know. I know. Um, Okay. Okay. Dr. Payne. All right. Are you ready? I am ready whenever you are. Okay. Okay. I'm going to argue, students, that the act-consequence nexus is not the best frame for understanding why terrible suffering happens in the world. And first reason for that is it's basically an empirical problem. We don't have enough data to make that Mm. judgment. Nine times, 99 times out of 100, we just don't have enough data. And if we risk, if if we say something is a part of that act consequence nexus, we risk victim blaming, which is the very last point that Dr. Doak tried to convince you that he was avoiding (laughs) making. So one of the biggest problems with this in terms of data collection, how on earth could we be the judge of what exactly is happening here? How would we know just what the sin is and just what the consequence is. So in the case of like blaming um, Haitians for like a certain aspect of their spirituality, like how would we even identify that if we're going to blame, you know, like say we were to blame um, wildfires in the American West on the greed of, of the American West, or would it be the um, judge, like the, the judgment, or would it be um, any other kinds of, I mean, there's like lots of things that people do wrong. So how do we know what the sin is? The other reason why I think that that nexus is not ultimately helpful is God may use suffering for other reasons than punishment. Not that God causes suffering, um, but there might be a reason why, um, like good things that happen in people's lives, you know, oftentimes the, the, the Christian tradition is full of stories of people reporting that they've grown to be more faithful, more patient, more caring people through a period of suffering. So why would we assume that it is punishment? 
I would submit to you that we assume that it is punishment because we're used to a very American form of the gospel that includes this idea that becoming a Christian will make us healthy and wealthy and immune from suffering. The history of Christianity is packed full of stories of extraordinary suffering from things like disease and injury and fire and war and enslavement and persecutions, etc. And some of the biggest spiritual giants, righteous people by all standards, including the figure of Job in the, in the Bible, have endured suffering that is not their fault. Um, John nine, the, the, the gospel of John chapter nine has this great story. Um, and there's a story, um, where Jesus encounters a man who's been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind. So that's asking the act consequence nexus question. Jesus says, neither this man, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. That's a really fascinating response. Maybe Maybe we ought to think not in terms of which sort of sin has been done, which basically means that we're like using our own judgment and um, our own lens, which, by the way, in the Bible, like a lot of these judgments, they, they come from God, not from like human voices. Um, so maybe we Five shouldn't seconds. stand in the place of God, but maybe we should think about how all situations have in some place, some capacity to reflect the work of God and scene. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. The drama has been ratcheted up. Okay. Woo. Good job. You know, you did a great job, too. I thought you made a lot of really strong points. And one of them, I'm going to go with your last point where you talked about human agency. Oh, yeah. Where I think, you know, I thought that was a really good point where you talk about, like, how can we truly acknowledge that humans have any agency, whether or not Mm -hmm. you want to call it free will, if we don't also take into the account, into account the idea that they might be punished for something or that we could change things like, you know, there might be bad laws and we're punished because of them, but we could also go to court and be a lawyer and do social justice and we could reform things. That's right. That's right. And so we need that kind of agency that the act consequence gives us. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought, okay, I thought you had two great arguments. I can't even decide which above them is better. So I'm going to cite them both. Oh, the problem of data. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, That can get really convoluted because if you're like, well, this is a punishment for that. But then actually there was this other thing that was a punishment for the punishment for the punishment, which actually was not predicated on the one person. You know, it's like you (laughs) could. It's very complex. You could get. Well, this is like the joke in the um, in the good place. Right. That in fact, it's impossible to do anything right because everything you do is based on some kind of injustice and da da da. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing, the issue of, of suffering as as learning. I think is, is, is a really important Christian tradition or that you can learn and grow from suffering, not just that it's a punishment. Although I will use that one to bridge. And, and your point about that being a very American success oriented way of looking at suffering was, was powerful. And I think spiritually relevant. Thanks for me, but there's, there's a, a but there, in there. there's a pivot there though, yeah. which is like, um, I, so I don't think the issue of learning from it, I, is is detached from the act consequence it could definitely be an organic part of it here's here's a question for you Mm -hmm. you said how would we be the judge what was that point where you were saying how would we be the judge i basically was trying to argue that god seems to be the one pronouncing things in in the bible like why would all these examples that we've come across and i'm sure students you can find your own Mm -hmm. they involve people standing in the place of god sure and so that's a precarious position it is but don't you think Oh, Dr. Payne, Mm -hmm. that in fact, that is the position that is it is a precarious position, but it is exactly the position that we are in. We are asked to judge legally. We're asked to judge in our society. We're actually asked to judge within the church as Christians about 
where we see sin, where we see things that are wrong, where we see the act consequence and where we don't and where where a different kind of response might be the better one. I think that, you know, the fundamental part that of my argument that I think is is durable mm-hmm. to that very important counter argument mm-hmm. is the idea that um, the, the complexity of of the task at hand. So, mm. you know, there's I, it makes me think of the story where Jesus talks about, you know, like, don't don't point out the sliver in your neighbor's eye when you've got this plank right. in your eye. Right. And so making these grand pronouncements, um, especially when they're just like they're so big. If you're saying like a storm is due to this, right. like if you, I mean, there are, there are just too many examples. We, we didn't even have time to get to all of them. They get truly ridiculous. Well, um, some of those are a little bit, um, ham fist. <laughs> right. Is right. that enough? Where does that term come from? Ham I don't know. I don't know. I don't even Barn burning. Know. <laughs> I don't want to know what any of these terms mean. <laughs> don't even tell me. The English language is a weird language. It is. Um, yeah. So I think that I, I, I think that that is the most durable point. Um, for me, and I guess it, it, it is, how would you, you know, using the pro-act consequence nexus, how do you account for that? Well, those, it puts a lot of pressure on making right judgments. True. Which, true. definitely, it gets it gets into the data problem, true. But, um, f- uh, for example, the Hurricane Katrina thing, that happened, um, what, like, I think almost like 20, you know, uh, like 15 or almost 20 years ago at this point. That was a long time ago, Hurricane mm-hmm. Katrina. But mm-hmm. I remember that one because I remember there was like some Christian, some prominent pastor saying that Hurricane Katrina struck and basically destroyed the city of New Orleans at that time as a judgment on the gambling industry. Yeah, that. But let's go to the data. What were exactly casinos destroyed? No, it was like a lot of housing and people that had no part in the gambling industry. So I think there you can, I mean, just because you declare the act consequence nexus to be a powerful, indeed the most powerful way of thinking about suffering and and all this kind of stuff doesn't mean that everyone who says that something is a consequence of an act is right it means that we would have to engage in that hard gritty process of figuring out who's right i think you know if i had to do it over again my three minutes one of the things that i would have tried to bring up would be the idea that there are multiple accounts in the scriptures themselves Mm -hmm. of like what suffering is what Mm -hmm. it is for Mm -hmm. so yes there are certainly a lot of act consequence nexus examples Mm -hmm. and you brought up several of them also though there are other examples like i'm thinking about the book of ecclesiastes which Mm -hmm. kind of seems to take the position toward a lot of things like we don't really know why these things are happening and we don't even know if there's meaning in them and why should we try to find meaning in them um and then also, I mean, the book of Job, you know better than I do that in some ways that the very end of the book of Job basically has God saying, like, why do you get to ask this stuff? Like, right. why do you get to try and find? You don't get to know. Yeah, you don't you don't get to know. So I think one of the things that I'm sensitive to that I was trying to communicate in my section was this idea that um, like we kind of are obsessed with knowledge and wanting to know, like wanting mm-hmm. to be able to explain yeah. things. Yeah. To our own detriment sometimes. If I could have gone back, I would have made one point about Jesus because you did bring up a story that people often bring up from Jesus. <laughs> Why is this man born blind? It's It wasn't, no, it, Jesus Jesus seems to be saying no act consequence nexus, something else. I would point out Jesus in John 5.15 heals a man from, in a way, and then says to him, don't sin anymore lest something worse happen. So you, you see Jesus actually seeming to allude to the act consequence nexus both positively and negatively. Also the book of Revelation is this huge moment where God comes and actually sorts stuff out on the basis of human behavior and belonging either inside or outside of the faith community. And so 
that's a kind of like cosmic level act consequence there when you start talking about like the afterlife and things like that, where I think there are serious Christian considerations. Okay, but our one more comment, but then yes. our time is yes. up for sparring. Yes. Go for it. Then oh, I thought you had one more comment. No, do you want to do you have one more? Um no, I think we should we should reveal our positions. What do you really think about it, Dr. Oh! Brian Doak? So here's what I think. My real opinion is that scripture offers us several responses to the problem of suffering. I think I do believe what I said when I said I think that the act consequence is a very powerful way of thinking about suffering. I agree with that. I don't think it is not even nearly the only way, though. And I think what it what 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 a good Christian adult life requires, which I'm not claiming to have arrived there. I'm I'm on the journey, okay, people. <laughs> what that re- what that kind of life requires, though, is the kind of wisdom to understand when to apply it mm-hmm. and when not to, mm-hmm. and when to apply like an Ecclesiastes approach, or when to apply a Book of Job approach, or when to apply a Jesus approach, like in John nine. Um, you know, this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in His life. Like, I think that I think that that's what wisdom is in the biblical terms is knowing like which of these models to employ and really having a, a lot of them as tools, which I, I, I'm, an, I'm assuming that God has given us these models in scripture as a gift for us to basically handle what is some of the hardest things that we'll have to handle in this life, namely suffering. And it's like, mm-hmm. I can, I have noticed a lot of instances in my life though, when I do suffer and it is, it is my own fault. And so I am willing morally to blame myself and I have to have be courageous enough to do that, not mm-hmm. just to blame other people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's I, I guess that's my real opinion. Wow. That but, was full of nuance and insight there, uh, Dr. Brian Doak. What about you? Um, you know, my my true position on this is informed um by the experience of my spouse. My spouse mm. is a hospital chaplain, mm. which means And a very good one. He is. He's excellent. And he is with people in their most poignant times of suffering he's mm. been a chaplain in a trauma situation in hospitals like when people are like in at the height of of oftentimes like an accident yeah. or a heart attack or something wow. like that he's been with people on um uh that are experiencing mental health crises um he's been with people who are are living with cancer um and so he has experienced a broad experienced a broad spectrum so there's like a pastoral side of me that basically says the act consequence nexus when you're in the middle of suffering it has extremely limited usefulness Mm. because people already are are just having a moment of crisis so i think there's a pastoral concern that i have with using that Mm -hmm. um i'm not saying that it never should be deployed but to your point about wisdom i think that Mm. that's it it would it, it would require a serious amount of wisdom and because i think it implies human control Mm-hmm. Um, and we're sort of obsessed with control in our society. And I don't think we have as much as we think we do. In fact, mm. this year, um, very recently in my life, and I think it meant the lives of many others, I've learned that I don't have, I have very limited mm. um, control. But also, I think what, what I agree with what you said, that the Bible actually and, and the history of Christianity includes many different functions and forms of suffering. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we should necessarily think we're being punished if we have Mm. um, experienced suffering. In fact, like their ultra traditional ancient teachings um, about suffering uh, suggest that when we suffer, we're close um, to God. Now you have to be careful with that because then it has been misapplied by like 
making an argument for imposing suffering on other people. But if we're thinking about our own suffering, mm. I think that there can be value in thinking about us being closer to the suffering savior. So, yeah, I just think it's a much more complex thing. And when it comes to making sense of my own suffering, when I'm in the moment, I, I actually kind of try to discipline myself not to think about it. I try to think about it when I have a little bit of distance mm. because it's just it's painful, mm. you know. Students, we've given you many models. Yes. And hopefully a lot to think about here. Now it's your turn to go at it, to think about this, to pray about it, to live Why life. Why does it happen? Our consequence. Yeah.